0: Well, it's, um, it's brilliant to be, uh, together this morning and, um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, specifically if you're here because you've been invited to try church, then we're thrilled that you're here and you're with us. And if church isn't something that you're used to, then it might be that some of the things this morning have been a little bit strange or will be a little bit strange. We'll just, as I say, encourage you to, to relax and just enjoy being a part of things. But there's one thing that we do as Christians and one thing that we do as a church, which I think is probably familiar to, to every single person on this planet. Uh, whether they've ever stepped foot in a church or not, one thing that, that all of us uh, do in one way or another, whether we would think of it in this way and describe it with this word or not, um, and that's pray. Um, and I don't know what you think uh, when you, you hear the word prayer, um, what that kind of conjures up for you. It might be that your experience um, of prayer it makes you think back to when you were a child. Um, and you think back to when you were a child and, and those times when maybe your prayers consisted of something along the lines of, well, God bless mummy and Daddy, and thank you for my food. Um, and, um, and that's pretty much the extent of, of your understanding of prayer. Maybe it was kind of... Uh, came alongside that kind of cheesy holding hands around the table that me and my family still love to, to do um, in terms of things. But maybe that was your experience of prayer. Or maybe for you when you think of prayer, something prayer is something that you consciously and intentionally do. And you, you carve out time to, to talk to God and to, to ask God to um, to help you in different ways. Um, to to talk to him and and ask him to 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 heal people and to help you with your health or to give you guidance and direction or to to give you help for the exams like we were talking about earlier on or, or forgiveness for the mistakes that you've you've made and you talk to him about all these different things um, that you you need and all these different things which are going on in your life and and they're all good things um, to pray for. Or maybe actually you never consciously or intentionally pray and have had no experience in terms of, of, of what you would think of as, as being prayer. But, you know, whether, whether you believe in God or not, there is something inside of us that instinctively at times cries out to something outside of us for help. When we're facing difficulties... And we've exhausted everything that we can possibly do. And the doctors have exhausted everything that they can possibly do. There is something inside of us at that moment because we still want to see it change. We're, we're not ready to give up hope. We feel like it's, it's wrong. And so there's something inside of us that cries out to something outside of us to help. To change things, to act, to, to heal someone that we love to change a situation at work or to help us with broken relationships in the, the family or to bring back to mind the things that we fear we're forgetting for our exams or whatever it it might be there is something within us that when we need help instinctively praise even if we don't realize that that is what we're doing it seems to be part of who we are and the way that we've been made and designed as as human beings And I think it's one of the things that for me, I think, points to the fact that we were made by a creator God and designed to have relationship with him. And so having billed today as um, a day for you to come along and to try church, I, I now want to encourage you as it's on the screen to try something else, to try praying. I say it's something that we all do in different ways instinctively, but I want to encourage you to try praying in maybe a way that you never have done before. Um, you know, as a, as a church, we've been taking some time over recent weeks to, um, to look at a letter that a man called Paul wrote to some believers in Jesus in a place called Ephesus. And, um, this letter is part of what um, makes up the whole of the Bible. And, and one of the things that we love to do every single week when we gather together as, as church is to look at a part of the Bible. Um, and to, to, to learn from it are the different things which it says there because we believe that the Bible is amazing and that through the Bible, the Bible is, is the key way that God speaks to us and teaches us and shows us things and helps us in our lives today. And so what we're going to do, as we do every week, we're going to do it this morning. We're going to look at a part of the Bible and we're going to look at something that Paul talks about as he tells us about how he's been praying for these believers in Ephesus. And I want to encourage you, whether you would count yourself as a follower of Jesus or not to adopt something of Paul's model um, as he prays here. So let's read it to start with, and then I'll try and unpack it a little bit. Um, This is what Paul writes in Ephesians 1, verses 16 to 21. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Now, I don't know what your prayers are like, but that doesn't sound much like a lot of my prayers over the years. You know, Paul doesn't start with a list of his needs and the things that he's asking God to, to, to help him with. And he, he doesn't pray that kind of repetitive prayer that you just kind of do by rote because it's the thing that you do of God bless mummy and daddy and the dog Fido and, and thank you for the food that I've got and help me to sleep tonight. His prayer revolves around wanting the Ephesians to know and to get hold of something in a different way that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that he would open the eyes of their hearts so that they would know something more of who God is, so they would know something more of their identity and who they are in Christ, that they would know something more of where they belong and and where they fit and what they're made for and the purpose that they have in life and how this changes everything. You see, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, sometimes life knocks you down and beats you up, doesn't it? You know, someone mistreats you or they, maybe they, they say something that pulls you down and it, as much as you know it's just words, it, it kind of takes root and it sticks and it hurts. Maybe you get some bad news. Maybe to do with your job. And you're going to be made redundant. Or maybe to do with um, your health or your marriage. Maybe you just see a brokenness and the mess and the suffering around the world. And, And it begins to shape the way that you think. And it begins to shape the way that you see yourself and understand yourself. And it begins to shape the way that you see others and understand the world. And it begins to shape the way that you see God. You know, you could think maybe um, a good way of understanding this, if you think of a child that grows up in a, a dysfunctional home that's full of anger and abuse. Their experience shapes the way that they see themselves. And the truth is that they're precious and they're valuable, they're beautiful children and they're full of potential and gifting and there's great opportunities for them. but how hard is it for them to see that truth when life has knocked them down so hard and so often? And that might be an extreme example, but we all go through things and we all live in a world that knocks us down and beats us up. And that begins to shape our thinking and the way that we see ourselves and the way that we imagine God to be. And these things almost begin to create a filter through which we see everything. And through which we understand everything and make sense of, of everything. They almost begin to dull our, our kind of vision. And that's why Paul prays that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. That this filter would be taken away. That we would be able to, to see clearly. Clearly. Because when we begin to see things clearly, it changes everything. And just before this in in the letter, some of you will will know Paul has been, been writing to the Ephesians about all of the blessings we have when we follow Jesus. All of the good things that God has done for us and that we have in him. But he knows that just simply talking about things and making sure people understand them and know them in their heads isn't enough. And so he's listed off and he's told them all of these things. But it's like the child that's told that they're precious and they're valuable when their experience doesn't match up with it. They've been told the truth and they have know it in their heads, but somehow it never manages to settle in to change the way they see themselves and the way they see the world or the way that they live. And so because Paul knows that their experience has shaped their thinking That their vision has become dulled by everything they've faced and everything that they've gone through. He prays that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened so they wouldn't just know and understand in their heads the things that he's told them about, but that they would sink into their hearts. That this spirit of wisdom and revelation would help them to see and to think clearly. And I think this is something that is relevant to every single one of us. You know, if you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a a Christian or a follower of Jesus, then this is my prayer for you. And I'd encourage you to to try praying for yourself. To say this week, look, I'm going to pray. God, if you're real, then open the eyes of my heart that I could see who you are and what you have for me. But you know, no matter how long you've been a Christian this prayer is still relevant for every single one of us. Because Paul is praying and rising here to believers. And you see, the kind of revelation that Paul is praying for isn't just something that you receive as a one-off and then it's done and dusted and you can kind of forget about it. You can tick the box and say, yeah, I know that. It's more like the moment when your wife's taken a pregnancy test and you get that news that she's pregnant. And in an instant, everything changes. Because you get that revelation. But then as you watch your wife's tummy grow, and you go to the midwife appointments, and you see the baby on the screen, and you get to hear their heartbeat, and then you feel them kick, and then you get to hold them in your hands, and then you get to start this amazing journey of just getting to know them. You realize that there is That moment of instant revelation, there was so much more that was to be revealed. There was so much more for you to get to know. There was so much more in the journey for you to get to know them better. And in the same way, everything changes that moment when you choose to follow Jesus. In an instant, everything changes. But there is so much more to discover. There is so much more that God has for you and wants to reveal to you as you get to know him better. And Paul knows that if we are going to go on this journey of getting to know God better, that we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit's help to reveal these things to us. You now, today is, is traditionally would be called Pentecost uh, Sunday. It's a day when we celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit and how He works in our lives. And a key part of the work that He wants to do in our lives is simply to reveal to you and to me Who God is and who we are in him. How he loves us and the hope that we have. That's why the first thing that that Paul prays then is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I love the word that Paul uses here for, for knowing. God better because it's he doesn't choose to use the word that means to, to academically or intellectually know facts about God. To increase our head knowledge, to simply study the Bible lots and be able to answer all the different questions that people might have. He prays that we will grow in a profound, intimate and personal knowledge, an experiential knowledge. The kind of knowledge that only comes when you spend time with somebody. You see, I, I could tell you um, that Rosie, my wife, makes some of the best chocolate brownies I've ever tasted. And you would have some knowledge of these chocolate brownies. And if I say, well, you want to know these chocolate brownies better, I could then tell you a list of the ingredients and I could give you the recipe and I could tell you about how they're kind of crusty on the outside but gooey on the inside. But I imagine you would still have some questions and some reservations as to whether these really were some of the best chocolate brownies that you could taste. And if you really wanted to know these chocolate brownies better you'd have to try one, wouldn't you? You'd have to experience them for yourself. So if you want to grab Rosie afterwards, you can ask her and put an order in, um, and she might kill me later, but you can grab her and put an order in, and you can try one for yourself. But Paul prays that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know him better. To experience something more of who God is for ourselves. To know in a way that we can only know through, through taking time with Him, through experiencing Him, through knowing His presence intimately. And Paul's writing this to a bunch of people who are probably illiterate. So he's not talking about, as I say, study and academics and intellectual stuff. He's simply praying that, that we would be filled with the Spirit and that we would know the Spirit's work in our lives to bring us closer to God. And you know, this is really our greatest need. Because when we have a depth of revelation about who God is, and we experience His presence and His love and His acceptance, it changes everything. You know, it's good to pray for our physical needs and our financial needs and for provision and for for guidance and for healing and for help and all those different things that we pray for. They're not bad things to pray for. God loves us and he cares for us and he wants to, to bless us and he wants us to ask him and talk to him about those needs in our lives. You know, they all show our dependence on God. But none of them compare to the greatest need that we have to know Jesus more deeply. And if we never pray that we would know Jesus more deeply or that our families would or that as a church we would or that the people that we love would then something has gone awry in our hearts. And if you, were, if you were in here today and you're not a follower of, of Jesus God is wanting to reveal himself to you in a new way. For you to know his love and forgiveness and his acceptance as you choose to follow him, but you know, once you 've made that decision, it's not job done, let's move on. I've got it. All of us can have an increasing growing revelation of getting to know God better. And so I want to encourage all of us to adopt Paul's prayer as our model as we try praying through this week. The next thing that we see that Paul prays that you would know is that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. You know, hope is a big thing in life, isn't it? And there's a chap called Viktor Frankl. Um, He was a survivor of Auschwitz, and um, he was actually moved around to a number of other Jewish concentration camps as well. And, And he writes about how hope was the single most important factor in surviving in the camps. He ranked it as even more important than good physical health. He tells a story of a man who was convinced that they were going to be liberated from the concentration camps by Christmas. And this hope kept him alive and it kept him positive for months. And then Christmas came and went, and they weren't liberated and at that point he simply curled up and died when a prisoner lost hope frankl said he lost his spiritual hold now hope is the engine that drives our our lives we cannot live without hope and we live and the way that we live in the here and now is determined by the hope that we have for the future so, what is it that you are holding on to for the future? What is it that you, your hope is in? You know, and normally when we think about hope, we mean something that is uncertain. And we mean something that it, we, we hope is going to happen. Like, I might hope that Rosie will make another batch of chocolate brownies this week. Or I might hope that Doncaster Rovers won't sell all of their best players over the summer and end up getting relegated next year to join Plymouth Argyle down in League Two. Thanks, Tony. But you know, neither of those hopes is guaranteed or certain. I don't know what's going to happen. I've got no guarantee with what it is that if I put my hope in those places. And, you know, often our hope is in things or in people or in circumstances that can be taken away from us and can let us down. And when we lose those things, when we lose those people, we end up going through some of the most difficult times of our lives. But when we read about the hope in the Bible that, that is available to us in Jesus, the kind of hope that Paul prays for here is very different. The hope that we have in Jesus isn't this kind of uncertain hope. Isn't this kind of vague thing that we, we, we just kind of wishful think about. It is sure and it is Certain, It's a confident expectation based on who God is and what he's done and what he's promised. And Paul knows that so often, though, we know these things up here and we know the reasons that we have for hope. But it's very different to when that hope takes root in our hearts and then begins to affect the way that we think and the way that we live. And that's why Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we would see more clearly, we would get hold of in a deeper way, the hope that we have in Jesus. And that this is a sure and certain hope is not based on who we are it's not based on us living good lives and being good people it's a hope which is based on who god is and what jesus has done and the promises that he gives us it's a sure and certain hope that when we come to jesus and we look to him we receive forgiveness for every wrong thing that we ever have done or thought or ever will do. That we're chosen and adopted, we get to become part of God's family. We're wanted and valued, we're loved. That we have a hope. Because we have purpose and we can look to, to the future and we can we can live for something that is bigger than ourselves. We've been given a chance to live a life that matters and that counts for something, not only now, but for all eternity. And so Paul prays specifically then beyond this. He doesn't just pray generally that we would get, get hold of hope. He prays specifically that we would get hold of two of the big reasons that we have to hope. That we would see that we have hope of the glorious inheritance in him that we have hope for the future that's what inheritance is it's something that we don't yet have but we can look forward to that is going to be ours that there is a day coming when there will be a whole the whole earth will be made new and we will be given new bodies and all of the all of the different things that that we hope for all the different things that we see around that are wrong all of the aches and the pains would be gone You know, sometimes I thought this was a really helpful way. It helped me to kind of get to grips and understand this. Sometimes when we see someone who's struggling, so we go and visit a friend in hospital, or we just see somebody who's going through a really difficult time in life, sometimes we look at them and we describe them and we say they look like a shadow of their former self. I'm sure you've all kind of come across that phrase. You all know what it means. What Paul wants us to get hold of is that right now when we look at this world and we look at this earth, we see a shadow of its future self. He wants us to, to get hold of the fact that while in the here and now, we are called on to, to be a blessing to our town, as we talked about earlier. We want to see this earth be a good place. We want to see people be blessed. We want to care for the environment. We want to see people healed. We want to do all this different good stuff. And we want to work at that. And while that's important, Paul wants us to get hold of the fact that we do that, not from a place of fear, because otherwise we're scared as to what's going to happen. But we can do it from a place of hope knowing that we're doing it as to, to show people something of the forte, something of the good that is ahead that we have to look forward to, of the time when the earth will be made new, when our bodies will be made new, when there'll be no more suffering or violence or war or sickness or pain or fallings out and arguments or bitter words that pull you down. A time when there'll be no more tears and when it will be wonderful. And Paul wants us to get hold of this hope because he knows that when we grasp the destination, when we grasp the future that's coming, it changes how we live and how we see things, how we see ourselves in the here and now. Because we're no longer driven by fear. We're no longer focused on keeping hold of what we've got because we don't know what might be around the corner but we're set free to be able to be people who are generous and think of others because we know that the best is yet to come. And he goes on and says, not only do I pray that you would know the inheritance that you have for the future, but I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would know his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That it's the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that lives in you and me when we follow Jesus. And Paul doesn't pray, and I think this is important for us to get and just to begin to shape the way that we pray, Paul doesn't pray that, that God would give them more power so that they were able to do things. Paul prays simply that their eyes would be opened, that their heart would be opened to see the power that they already have in Jesus, and this is a truth that might be familiar to to a lot of us, but I wonder how much how much we really know that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us, how much we really know that in a way that it shapes our thinking and it shapes our actions? How much do we live in light of it? That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that seated Him on the throne in heaven, that gave Him all authority, is in us. And getting hold of this in a deeper and a deeper and a deeper way is so important as we look to live for Jesus. You know, you you might be struggling with a, a cycle of behavior or a habit or a cycle of thinking that you don't think that you have the power to overcome or to be free from. To change things or you might want to be doing something positive you might want to be uh, getting involved in some kind of thing in the church or you might want to be able to 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 share about Jesus with your your friends or people that you you love but you just don't feel like you've got it in you you just don't feel like you're enough on your own it's too much but the truth is that once you have been once you have accepted Jesus and you've received the Holy Spirit, that you already have a power that is greater than any other power at work in your life. That the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you. Jesus was clinically declared dead and he was in a tomb for three days. And then God the Father released his power and raised him from the dead. And Paul is saying that that same power Power, that same death-defeating, grave-overcoming power is at work in every single one of us who chooses to follow Jesus. And it's a power unlike any other and greater than any other. And so he's simply praying, not that we would have more power because there is no greater power. He's simply praying that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. That we wouldn't just understand this as a concept and a truth in our heads, but our hearts would be opened to see this as it really is. So that it would begin to shape our thinking and shape our living so that we would know that there is nothing that we face that is too much for us to overcome because we have God's power in us. And this is the hope that Paul is praying that we would know better and is calling us to hold fast to because it's the hope that will see us through every trial of life. You know, right now, I know in this room there will be some of you who are facing tough circumstances. And those of you who aren't will be soon because... It's just life, isn't it? And you might not be sure what the outcome is is going to be. You might not be able to see hope in your situation. And, do you know, on your own, you can't see that hope because we've been so beaten up and knocked down by life that that filter is there, that it shapes the way we see things and it shapes the way that we think. Our vision is dulled by our experience. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can have hope in Jesus. That's why we need to pray this prayer that that Paul prays for the Ephesians. And so today, my encouragement is not only that you would try church, but it's that you would try praying. And not just any old kind of praying, not just praying for your needs and thanking God for things and the good stuff that that all is, but pray in the way that Paul models to us here. You know, whether you would count yourself as a follower of of Jesus or not, pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. And that He would, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know the hope that you have in him. And, and I want to give us a chance to be able to, to respond to this in, and put this into action in a moment. Before I do, sometimes we just talk and it all seems like theory and, it's, and we kind of say, yes, I get it, but I don't see it. And so I thought it would be great just to, to hear from someone who has experienced something of the power of God and the hope of God at work in their life. And so um, I've asked Jacqueline just to come up and, um, and share a little bit with us um, just briefly about the difference that it's made to her as she's gotten to know God better and experience the hope he has for her and the power of God at work in her life. So thanks, Jacqueline. Come on up. Stand down there. and walk here. It's up to you.
1: I didn't actually know what Pete was going to talk about today, but just some of the things that you were saying were just this really... Um, is it working? Um, it just really resounded with me. Um, That power, um, I'm ashamed to say that every day for 14 years, I would wake up and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like the power that it's got over me. I feel awful. I feel awful about myself. I feel ashamed. I was working in a job and I I was there for about a year and I I physically couldn't go to work anymore. But every day I had that self-loathing. I didn't want to do it. And it it was drink. I drank myself literally to death for 14 years Um, and I couldn't even go to God about it because I I felt ashamed I felt embarrassed I didn't actually even think that he could help me and then Pete was saying about he's given us all power and all authority and I didn't ask him but last year I was quite ill Um, I was in hospital with my son Alex and it was literally the end of the road you know the doctor said to my son you know your mum might not come out of there. She might go into cardiac arrest and, you know, it could be the end of the road. And I I just prayed to God, just show me a different way, Lord. Um, and it's like I could see two roads and one of them had lots of brambles and stingy nettles and it was narrow, but I could see it. And from that day, I knew there was a new way. I knew that God had a plan for me. And I'm 14 months now without a drink, and it's just it's just literally having that realization and I think Pete brought it out about three weeks ago that God loves me and he loves everyone just as much as Jesus his son and it's just literally just grabbing hold of that hope and putting all your faith and all your focus on God, because He wants to help you. He wants you to get through. He wants you to be the person that He created you to be. Um, but I was talking to someone just before the service to say that you know Jesus' first miracle was turning the water into wine, and He doesn't. He's not a God that doesn't want us to enjoy ourselves. But when it's your, if, if when it was, it was my reason for getting up in the morning. I had to make sure that I had a drink that evening. It was. You know, it was my God, and I'm just so glad that I've got free of it. And in some of the songs this morning, where it says that He does set the captives free, and here I am. So praise God!
0: Fantastic. It's great, Jacqueline, and it's great to hear stories, isn't it? Of God at work. Um, and to know that this isn't just something that we talk about as a nice idea. This isn't just something that God was about 2,000 years ago. But this is how God is at work and wants to be at work in every single one of our lives, here and now, today. That he loves us and that he cares for us and he has hope for us. And so if you're here today and that you have, have never made the decision to, to follow Jesus and, and to be able to have this kind of personal relationship with God that, that we've been talking about, to to be forgiven and to have not only hope in the here and now, but hope for all eternity. You know, we want to give you an opportunity this morning to be able to make that decision. It's the best decision that you can ever make. And we're going to pray a prayer together in a moment. And if you want to make that decision to choose to follow Jesus, then I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with us. It's not going to be something on your own. I'm going to be inviting everybody who wants to to pray this prayer. And then if you're making that decision for the first time, say, yeah, actually, you know what? I want to start on this journey of relationship with Jesus. Then I'd love you to come. We'll have some people available here at the front at the end to come and to tell them. Um, and they'd love to talk to you more about what that means and just to pray for you as you get started um, on that journey. So please do that. And it it might be that you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you don't feel ready to do that. And, you know, I want to to encourage you, if that's the case, to say, okay, God, if you're real, I'm going to pray this prayer and just see what happens. If you're real, I'm I'm going to pray this prayer and just ask you to show yourself to me, to open the eyes of my heart, to see see things in that different way, if that's really something that you're able to do. For those of us here, though, like me, who would count yourself as a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer not only today, but to make this a part of your daily prayer every day. I've been really struck by it, and and it's really kind of caught my heart, and I've been praying it through this week for myself, that it would be an expression of, of my heart and an expression of your heart as we pray this daily, that we want to grow deeper in our relationship with God that we want to step into more of what he has for us, and that we want our thinking to be not shaped by our experience and what the world says, but to be shaped by the truth in him. And so I want to encourage you to make this a part of your daily prayer for yourself and for for your family, and for us as a church, and for people that you love. And so if you want to respond, if if your heart is to say, look, God, I mean, whether you're not sure is real or not, or whether you're a follower of Jesus, if your heart is to say, God, I want to know you more, to know you better, to experience something of your presence, of the hope that I have in you, not only now, but for eternity, something more of the incomparably great power that is at work in each one of us who believe in you then I say I'd love for us just to be able to pray together. I'm going to pop a prayer up on the screen, and this is really just a, a, a tiny rewording of what Paul prays in, um, in a, the letter to the Ephesians. And so why don't we pray this together? Um, I'll lead us, but just join in if that's your heart. Here we go. Heavenly Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. We pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance, and your incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that that prayer is one that we can pray in confidence and expectation, knowing it's in line with your heart, knowing Holy Spirit is what you're about and what you love to do. And so, God, I just pray that right now, this morning, we would experience that that right now this morning you would come and you would meet with every person and you would be stirring fresh hope in their hearts. That they would know that you have good for them, not only in this life but for eternity, that there is that glorious inheritance to look forward to and that you have power for us in the here and now to be able to overcome in every circumstance and situation. Well, we don't just want your blessings, we want you. And so we just pray that you would also help us to know you better that you would reveal more of who you are to us and that we will grow in our love for you every day. And Jesus, I pray for those who are here today who who don't know you, that, that this morning you would be reaching out to them and you would just be stirring their hearts and they would know that you love them and that they are precious to you and you are just longing to have a relationship with them. Come and bless each other people here, God, in Jesus' name, amen.